get out of my... Yeah, the fuck out of here. I'm good myself, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> um, I'm very late. Christ, these... This is loud in my headphones, let's turn that down a little bit. Uh, I'm very late. Oh my lord. Um, only by my own metric, of course, however. Uh, but normally I record this in the in the uh, wee hours of the morn, as uh, stated last time by Kelsey. Um, her shock and dismay at such a prospect of um, starting the day, getting out of bed, and then immediately recording a podcast seems like pure insanity. <clears throat> um, I disagree. <laughs> I think it's a great way to start your day. Get some thoughts out of your head, out from the back of you, okay. and um, and then you can get move on with your day. Um, uh, but today I went to work. My God, oh, I know. I'll try to avoid doing that in the future. Uh, I already, I always do. <laughs> I went to work today, so I, I had to miss it. So instead, recording in the afternoon <clears throat> after a big pretzel. My God, if you ever thought that um, me recording. This podcast after breakfast was a mistake. Try uh, having a big pretzel beforehand. There might be some more throat goblins um, afoot in this episode. And I've also replaced my normal cup of coffee um, with a glass of Chardonnay. Mmm. It's because that mic is hot. That's the fucking problem. Let's fix that. Uh, mic was too hot. Chardonnay is nice and crisp. Before we get started... <laughs> I'd like to, um, uh, sorry, not laughing at what I'm about to do, but laughing at my um, absurd transition. <clears throat> Always seems to be the worst time to do this, um, but uh, uh, before we get started, before I get started, uh, it's just me here. Um, we'd like to pay respects to the land that I am so unbelievably fortunate um, to live and work and play on um, the lands of the Wurundji people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, sovereignty was never ceded on these lands, for these lands. Um, and I pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Um, as stated last time, that uh, after the um, big uh, massive protests for Invasion Day, um, since then, the fucking um, council that uh, where the um, Captain Cook statue got cut down by the feet, leaving only f- cut down at the ankles, leaving only the feet. The council's now saying, "Oh, we might not put him back up." <clears throat> Sky News, the cunts, came up with a fucking article saying, um, uh, "It's uh, that, that's just rewarding vandalism. That's just rewarding the vandals by not putting Captain Cook back up on his tiny little feet." Um, start that rumor. Captain Cook had weirdly small feet. Um, uh, anyway, so fuck Sky News, but uh, and um, big props to. I mean, you know, it's probably just a cost thing, isn't it? They're just like, ah, we can't be fucked putting Cook back up. Um, anyway, this is in the back of my head podcast. Um, a little creative journal of mine, um, and weekly little catch ups with me. It'll tell you what's going on. What am I up to? What's in me head? Um, currently Chardonnay, and that's making me feel very good after a long day of d- not doing a lot, to be honest. Making coffee, but it was not very busy. Um, <clears throat> I spoke recently. I spoke uh, about a game that I played that I fucking adored. That is 
easily my favorite game of all time now. Uh, it has dethroned um, Ashes uh, 3063. Is 3063, is that the right fucking... I've get that right. Ashes 3063, is that right? Um... 2063, not 3063, 2063, uh, which is a free Doom mod. My God, uh, I might talk about that at some point. Uh, but Ashes 2063 is um, my second favorite game of all time, and it's a free Doom mod. Um, pure fucking passion project, post-apocalyptic um, sort of, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, classic Mad Maxi kind of, and um, Fallout but with a bit of a like an 80s slash 90s um, flair, has more of like a almost like a Waterworld style to it in terms of just presentation. But like, a, yeah, it's fucking cool as hell. Uh, I'll talk more about that at some point. But um, <clears throat> it was my favorite game and now has been dethroned by Pathologic 2, which I've spoken about on a previous episode. And I'm probably going to speak about a bunch more at some point. I want to, I'm trying to think of what I want to do about Pathologic 2. It's something that is living in my head. Um, just incessantly uh, since I stopped playing it and I want to do something with that energy. I don't know what it is yet um, besides making more podcast episodes about it. I want and I don't want I don't know if I want to just get into like video essay kind of shit like everyone else does mainly because like that's just a whole thing um, to edit video and to write a gigantic script but maybe it's a blog post I don't know I don't know what yet. But it got me excited. Um, excited. <laughs> no, the theme of Pathologic is the plague. Um, in Pathologic, it's sort of a mysterious plague. It's not the plague. It's just it's a plague. Um, and it's <clears throat> has a bit of an otherworldly vibe to it. But nonetheless, I was um, kind of transfixed by that topic of the plague, maybe because we lived through our own version of the plague recently, though obviously in modern times and with that particular disease, perhaps not as severe um, as previously, uh, as previous diseases. Um, but nonetheless, th some of the themes were obviously very um, reminiscent of things that we experienced. And so it got me excited or got me intrigued anyway into that theme. And so I went looking for uh, more around that and um that led me to a book called the plague so that <laughs> seemed fitting by albert camus um a french um uh, what's his on, let me uh let me actually look him up because he's he's a philosopher and a writer um but he absurdism i think is that his is that kind of his uh and a political act activist there you go um <clears throat> He is known for his brand of philosophy, I think is absurdism. Yes, his philosophy was known as absurd, or his contributions to the rise of the philosophy known as absurdism. Um, in a sense, and I'm sure most listening will have some kind of sense of this, it's sort of ex ex existential, it's sort of um, nihilistic, um, but more, I would say less pessimistic than nihilism. Uh, I think it kind of gives way more to the world is absurd, the world is insane. Um, so you can kind of try and make your own meaning and just try and exist in it, which is um, perhaps a better approach than pure nihilism. Um, nihilism doesn't have to be necessarily cynical, but obviously lends itself to. And um, anyway, so he wrote a book called The Plague, 
And it's just an account of the plague or a plague hitting a small French town. I think it's French. Um, definitely a lot of people in the book are French. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's French. And, um, it's an account of what happened, but it's set in, um, let's see. I should have written some of this. Oh, Jesus, that's the wine. Um, I should have written, uh, right. Of course that's going to come up with. I should have written down dates and facts. I wrote down some thoughts, but I didn't actually write down the the. I didn't write down the facts that might want. I might want to use to um, set the scene. It was it was published in 1947. Um, <clears throat> the French Algerian city of Oran, Oran um, and it is set in 1849. Um, but the, hang on, can we use sources a bit? Kill the popular. Um, but set the novel in the 1940s. I might need to re-read some things. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Small city of Iran uh, gets hit by a plague and gets locked down, shut the gates, no one's leaving, no one's entering, and the trials and tribulations that go through that. And this was published in uh, 1947. And it was fascinating to read this book, or rather listen to this book, for free on YouTube, by the way. I might actually throw the, I might throw that um, link, you know, put link in description. Um, listen to it for free on YouTube. It was definitely a pirated rip uh, from um, Audible. <laughs> but fuck, fuck it. Um... It was so bizarre listening to this book set in, I think set in 1849, but it might be set uh, later, um, written in 1840, uh, 1947, and the just the similarities to the way people respond to something as such as plague um, as we went through, through COVID. Um, eerily... Well, not eerily similar because it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and there's kind of two ways to take, take it in my mind because people go through all the same things. They're denying, um, what doctors are saying. They are living life to the fullest in a form of rebellion, which I might get into a bit more. Um, but they, uh, yeah, you know, people, uh, become either very collectivism, collective V, I don't know how to say that. Um, they focus on kind of collectivism that they were all, we're all going through this together and that's a beautiful thing. And we, obviously we love, a lot of us experienced that in COVID through, unfortunately through things like zoom, but I'm glad we had zoom in comparison to nothing. Um, like just telephones, imagine just having landlines, imagine not having telephones at all and suffering a plague being locked away from everybody. <coughs> um, uh, a lot of people experienced that, but then a lot of people experienced um, intense individualism. Um, the example in the book uh, early on, so not much of a spoiler, but I guess a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. It's just a thing that happened. It's not a fucking story plot. It's just um, a big part of uh, the response is obviously everyone uh, clamoring to escape the town because, oh, my, but my loved one is in the other town and I have to get out. You don't understand. My, my wife, my partner, my husband, my whatever is in the other town. And the doctors and the police having to say to them, like, in what possible way do you think that sets you apart from everybody else? 
we are all in this together. Um, but obviously when you're actually in that situation, it's so hard to see past, past your own, um, grief in your own fear, um, and see, yeah, see past your own individualism, um, which obviously we encountered a lot of, which is where I think we got the cooker, (laughs) the cookers came out. Um, you know, there was obviously so much conspiracy around, uh, around COVID and it felt the whole time. It really felt like this is, this is, uh, obviously it, it gets framed as if like a, we're all being lied to where we need to band together and see through the lies and, and come together and change all this. And, um, but there's this undertone of, but I'm being lied to, I'm suffering, um, I, you don't understand. I need to get out of here. I can't wear a mask. <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. This is really hard for me. Um, <clears throat> not to take away from anyone's individual suffering, but it's fascinating seeing that be written about in this book as we experienced it um, uh, through COVID as well. Um, and then the other, the other uh, response, which I found quite fascinating to listen to um, and draw again, just draw such similarities to was the, um, the living as a form of rebellion, like living large as a form of rebellion against the situation. Um, and in this book, uh, medical measures are less stringent. So, uh, there's, um, less like, you know, the idea of social distancing is not really, um, in existence in the book. Uh, though, Certain people are, certain people wear do wear masks, mainly medical professionals and what have you. I don't think there's really mask mandates or anything like that in the book, but rather there are like just the symbol of shutting the gates of like okay we're all locked in, and it was very much isolate uh, isolating, and so certain districts of the town will be sectioned off, saying there's a big bout of plague here, so we're sectioning off that entire town and no one can leave that town, no one can leave that part. So sorry, bump the mic. Um, and then there was individuals as well, like, oh, you've got the plague, you are now isolated from everybody else. And so there were certain measures that were taken and people kind of understood what was happening. They could see it happening in front of their eyes. They could see the gates shutting and they could see their districts being uh, shut down and what have you, isolated. And they could understand what was going on. They could see um, <clears throat> like bodies being carted off and burned because there was they were running out of uh, graves. And, um, and he an act of rebellion against this, though not in like direct rebellion, rather it seems like a, an act of um, personal rebellion just against the terrors of life and the terrors of this particular situation was to flock to cafes and to bars and to just throw what money that they did have at as much alcohol and as, as much food as possible, though obviously uh, food in particular in this situation runs out kind of quickly. Um, booze can last a long time and they had a lot of it. So people just drinking heavily and made me think about, um, drinking during COVID, which I did a shitload of. And I was thinking about like, we were, we were all hitting the bottle shop almost nightly. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people, um, not everyone, but a lot of people I'm sure were hitting the bottle shop nightly. And it was, it, was it a, was it an act of despair? 
to try and drown our sorrows? Or was it an act of rebellion to basically say life is seems to be shit? Let's show it that we're having a fucking good time regardless. Now, I don't think we think about it in that way <clears throat> at the time, but in retrospect, I um, can see that, like, <clears throat> we were all very lost. We had no idea when anything was going to end or when life was going to go, quote-unquote, back to normal. And so there was this sense of, like, well, we're going to live to the absolute fullest in this particular condition that we have found ourselves in, um, as humans love to do. <laughs> Almost in defiance. Um, I mean, you mean, you really, you like, defiance is such a, such a human response. Um, I mean, take, again, to go back to the cookers, to go back to people who reacted with conspiracy theories and whatnot, and people who became, again, kind of quote-unquote, but political, um, <clears throat> who were never political before. A lot of people became political who were never political before, and perhaps um, it was simply because they were told that they had to do a thing, and then suddenly defiance came out of them, where before defiance was absolutely not necessary to live their lives how they th saw fit. Um, and so defiance is a very easy thing to fall into uh, and not defiance necessarily of, 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 of reality, but actually defiance against the, um, <clears throat> the absurd, unknowable reality. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not defiance against actual measures, not defiance against actual, though there was obviously defiance of actual medical measures and what have you, but there's a, there's a defiance of just life is telling you to do this thing and they're saying, no, 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 I'm not doing that simply because you told me to. <laughs> In fact, a lot of people um, who, you know, would be terrified to be told, no, you have to stay inside. A lot of people um, obviously do stay inside a lot. Uh, I'm not, that's a broad brush that I'm painting with, but like um, how many people who became, um, <clears throat> yeah, conspiracy nuts or cookers or what have you were already maybe living the life of solitude <laughs> and then being told to live a life of solitude brought this out of them. Um, their own form of rebellion, their own form of defiance. Um, uh, but yeah, it was eerie. It was very, very eerie listening to this book um, and drawing so many conclusions. And this is, a, I guess, a bit of a... It's not so much a spoiler because like the, the, the book plays out. The book just plays out of just plague hitting a town and that's when you read what happens in that town. So I guess spoiler what I'm about to say, but it's not so much, as, it's not really a big, like, doesn't really change anything, <clears throat> um, is that uh, something that really struck me was the the defiance and then the excitability of uh, the willingness to forget. Not forget, but, like, um, it was almost choosing to forget. It was, because um, we talk about, we talk about, uh, COVID, I'm sure it comes up and, um, we were cautious. We were cautious coming back slowly. Right. But there is a real sense of, um, Oh, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? 
the sense of it's all over, the sense of we won, the sense of victory against a disease or... or, or no, I but I don't think this is it's a disease. I don't think the, the plague or COVID or what have you is not the thing. It's just representing the thing. It's just this... Um, it's just a, a, an obstacle that we have to overcome, especially as a collective. Um, and then it has to end in victory. Um, to accept that it was just a thing that happened and a thing that, because then that also suggests it will happen again. Um, and I think that's kind of what struck me is at the end of the book is there's this, just this celebration of victory against this thing. Um, while it's not really victory, because this enemy is not one that can be defeated. This is, isn't, it's not an enemy that, um, it hasn't got a goal. It just is a force of nature. It's, um, I guess you could say you could, uh, you could fight back the tide. You could fight back nature in a way and, and, and win against it. Um, but it's sort of a futile battle in a sense. I, I guess it's just that it's always going to come back. Why? Um, though mankind loves to obviously conquer, uh, the natural world. This this episode is so stupid. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying taking on this kind of. I'm try, enjoying like trying to be more in this world of the yeah, just listening to this kind of art, um, or watching art, or playing art, or however I'm experiencing or whatever medium. But yeah, trying to get more into this headspace. Um, <clears throat> but it also means I'm going to talk a lot more wank on my podcast. <laughs> And to my friends, which is as much an experience that would be had if you were, if we were sitting and having a beer, <laughs> I think it's much the same. Um, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's, it, this is not an enemy that has a goal. Um, and this celebration that we won, uh, that we defeated it also suggests that it's behind us now. And... I think reading this or listening to this book and hearing how people responded in exactly the same way that we responded to COVID um, in such different times with such different technologies and such a different response in a, in a way, um, but the human response was all the same and people were just as stupid and defiant um, <clears throat> of both the medical professionals, but also just the situation at hand, even as they see people dying, they're like, oh, but it's not that bad. It can't be that bad. Um, or lines of, uh, uh, it always gets the best of us, you know, as if it has a mind of its own, as if, as if it has a thought, but it's not, it's chaos. It is, um, it is thoughtless. It is meaningless. It is absurd. <laughs> um, and that's, that's truly the most terrifying part. And here, hearing about it happening prior, prior, though this is a fictional work, but it's based obviously on real events. There were, there have been innumerable um, plagues and all kinds of other terrible things that have happened in life. History, there has just been lots of historical, terrible events. And I remember saying that and thinking that and talking about that. They're like, wow, we're living through a historical moment, which we were, as we always do. As we can continue to do, we're living through historical moments every day, uh, especially currently. I guess things seem to be ramping up kind of quickly over the past, or maybe we're just paying more attention. 
Um, but listening to that book and thinking about what we went through with COVID and what we went and what people reacted to back then and how similar they were and how that it will happen again. I think that was the kind of thing that kept going back to my head is this is going to happen again, especially in a more international world. We're going to have more and more diseases and plagues and things like that. As we can, as medical science continues to fight them, but like <clears throat> get better at doing so. It's both terrifying, but seeing people respond in exactly the same way is also sort of liberating from that as existential dread of there's the plague and then there's the plague of humanity being dumb cunts. <laughs> but if you think, but I guess like during COVID, I think we were all thinking like, God, people are so stupid. Why are people so stupid? What is wrong with people? Is this the internet that has done this? What is wrong with these people? And there's nothing wrong with them. They're just people. They're just humans. They're just um, dumb fucking humans, just as we are all dumb fucking humans. And we might find our own different breaking points. Um, and I'm furious at conspiracy nuts and cookers and what have you, and I've fought with all of them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and we'll continue to do so. I will not um, just give them a free pass because they're human, but it is kind of reassuring in a way that like, it is just, well, it's absurd. It's all absurd. Um, and that is, yeah, again, that's the most terrifying part of it is that it's, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it just is, it's just a force of nature. It's just a thing that happened, that happens, will continue to happen. Um, and we just live through it or we don't, or we die. Um, it's terrifying. Just the chaos of it. That makes no sense. Is that where I'm going to leave it? <laughs> kind of short one, 25 minutes. Um, <clears throat> I think I made some points in there. I don't know. Uh, my brain, like, I literally, I, I finished that book. I finished the book, like, a, an hour and a half prior to to recording this podcast. So <clears throat> my thoughts are kind of fresh. Uh, I've, I've written a few things here, but they're only in dot point form. And I would like to flesh things out a little bit more, but um, those are my immediate thoughts on The Plague by Albert Camus and in relation to Pathologic and in relation to just my own experience through COVID and maybe your experience through COVID. Um, that maybe, yeah, it's scary and it's weird, but it's just chaos and absurd and there's only so much we can do. Um, I guess just our best. <laughs> All right, I'm going to polish off this Chardonnay uh, and probably have a few more. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, that's it. <laughs> Excellent outro. Thank you, Rai. Um, hey, subscribe to my Patreon if you want. Um, you don't get anything, but it helps me. Okay, fucking see you next time, motherfuckers. <laughs>